Welcome to episode 65 of Auto Off Topic. I'm Brad. And I'm Andrew. Welcome to the listener question episode. Yes. Before we start listening to questions, I just want to say how regretful I am that I did not bring up the Beatles song on episode 64. Oh. I had all planned I in guess. my head to run through Beatles lyrics during the opening statements of the show. Well, I don't know. It's too late now. I don't I know why you're bringing it. it up now. Because I'm upset. <laughs> because it's bothering me that I realized we were on 65 and I missed my opportunity. Yeah, you definitely did. So you are welcome, audience, that you didn't have to hear me sing now you just look any dumb. lyrics to when I'm 64. <laughs> <This is> a... <laughs> I always looked up. It's totally fine. Um, we Any project car updates? Probably not, because... Not in the last hour. We haven't gone anywhere <laughs> since we recorded the last episode. Podcast secrets. Yes. We recorded two episodes this one night, so there's no new information to pass out there. Yeah. Well, there's... Lots of people that do it that way, so... Oh, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying we're giving away podcast secrets. <laughs> anyway. So, right into it, then, we shall go, correct? Yeah, let's do it. Listener questions, it is. All right. We'll go right to Instagram, because we seem to get the best response on Instagram. Right, because Instagram doesn't require us to pay to get people to see our page. Yeah. Yet. yet. I'm sure someday they will. Well, let's get some more followers on there and hopefully more people can see the stuff but regardless we have some uh dedicated listeners who like to ask us questions really good questions this week yeah uh we'll start off with mr gallant guy he is another gallant vr4 slash montero montero (laughs) so um he says what new car or cars this year did uh uh this year Really did it for you, fellas. For me, it was the Alfa Romeo Guglia Quadrifoglio. I say it right? And sure. Kia Stinger GT. Um, I really like the Alfa. Yeah, I'm 100% And in, in that the blue, Alpha. that like French blue they have, or it's like a Bugatti blue. They had, well, that would be well, a French fr- blue. No, French blue is a bright blue. It's a dark blue that you're thinking of, a dark metallic blue. No, uh, the lighter blue. They have oh, a light okay. blue one. That's like the color of this microphone wire, this bright blue. Which is, works wonders for our listening audience. It's a audience. bright... Okay, so that's why I said French blue. <laughs> okay, I did, I've not seen one that color. I've only seen the darker blue, which is like a dark, deep, almost right, so midnight like blue. so Tamaya French blue paint. Okay. TS. Seven more listeners Where got it, it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I love that car, too. And I saw one that was dark blue with the red leather interior. And the dark blue over red combo just really killed it for me. It was awesome. Um, I'm not really familiar with many other new cars. I'm not a huge fan uh, of the Kia Stinger. 2018 Crosstrek's pretty cool. You always say that because you bought one in French blue. Hey, um, <laughs> put our money where our mouth was. Yeah, no, it's a good car. Absolutely. Uh, the Kia Stinger GT, uh, to me, is a little overstyled. Um but at the same time, it cost half of a new Alpha, and it's probably I drive, drive Mitsubishi's, but I, I'm too good for a Kia. I don't think you are. <laughs> no, I I think of myself as I'm too good for a Kia. No, I don't think you're too good for anything. I'm, but too, I'm too good for a Hyundai or a Kia. I would drive a Hyundai or a Kia. Nope. Well, let me put it to you this way: uh, a family member of mine was looking to buy a new car. Um, and I actually swayed him away from a new Mitsubishi and swayed him into possibly buying a new Hyundai. 
because he's not a car person and he wants a 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty. But for your money right now, a Hyundai represents a newer car with more technology and better features oh, yeah. than a Lancer does. Yeah. So as an on-car person, I was like, you should probably look at buying a Hyundai Sonata instead of a Mitsubishi Lancer. Yeah, and probably bang for the buck, you'll do better than a Honda or a Toyota. Well, Absolutely. yeah, plus he drives a lot, so he wants a 10-year, 100,000-mile yeah. warranty. So and Honda and Toyota don't give you that. No, they're still doing, like, 336 no. or whatever it our, is. The, our Subaru is 336. Yeah. So. Which is fine for somebody like you who doesn't need that. Yeah. But for somebody like this particular that doesn't family worry member about stuff. that doesn't want to worry about things and gets annoyed when it's time to change his oil, then, yeah, he does not want that. Okay. So. Well, there you go. But, yeah, no, that, that's you hit the nail right in the head. I don't have a better answer for you than those two vehicles. The Kia is overstyled, but as a car, I'd like to drive it and decide from that point. Yeah, I can't think of anything. I'm else. sure the Alpha is an amazing Apparently car. Apparently, there's drive, some so. Lamborghini SUV that looks like an Aztec that Which I, I keep seeing people no make interest fun of. in whatsoever. Yeah. That really didn't do it for me in any way, shape, or form. Well, they just need to sell. Actually, was, the new, was the new Miata, was that a 17 or was that a 16? I don't know. I don't know either. We're terrible at new cars. We are terrible at new cars. Mr. Kalanka, you should know that. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Right. But if I, if I were to buy a car, and we, actually we brought this up on the podcast before, mm-hmm. we said that I would buy the Alpha, and then I think Jordan was on that episode, and you both made fun of me. Or maybe we were talking in real life about it, and you both made fun of me for liking the Alpha, because obviously I would like the only unreliable new car on the market. No, I would so. buy the Alpha. Oh, okay. Well, Jordan it's, made fun of me. It's a beautiful car. Gorgeous. I and mean, it sounds amazing. And you can get them with a stick with certain packages. I mean, what was, that was part of the vault tour, right? Where the guy, he asked, like, where's everybody's car made? He's like, well, something about how the most beautiful cars come from Italy. Italy, yeah, 100%. Always have. I mean, they're not necessarily the best cars. Never But they're been. usually the most beautiful. Yeah, 100%. Not a question at all. That's a great car. All right. You can get the next question. Because <laughs> you like to hear me butcher his name every week. Um, Escudera, es- Escudera Borcua. What do you think of Rally America shifting their schedule? Ned Maji Trail Rally just happens at the just happened as the first event of the 2018 season. So it happened Lots this weekend. It's quit. still 2017, but it's the 2018 racing season. I mean, I don't know. I guess they want to get those seasons in early, and I guess if you're looking for a break to fix your car, like you know, from November to January, I guess that's sort of annoying. My whole problem right now with the Rally America and American Rally Association schedule is there's too many competing weekends, mm-hmm. and it's done on purpose, and I don't like it. I don't think it's good for the sport. Oh, no. This has been covered yeah. a lot. Like, But that's the question. I'm just, yeah. you know, what do you think of the schedule? I hate the schedule on both parts. I don't yeah. know which side. I'm not choosing sides. I just I don't think it's good for the sport that you have two rallies on the same weekend. Mm-hmm. Because there's only so many competitors. And while not everybody is going to be affected by a different rally on each coast, there are some people who are. And it just stinks. Oh, I'm picking a side. And I hope ARA comes out as the victorious. Well, I don't um, know. I just. Sanctioning body. I just wish that there's 52 weekends in a year and there's only, what, 16 or 18 rally events? Yeah. Why are any of them on the same weekends? 
Because there's only so many in the weekends in the summertime, I guess. But they're not all in the summertime. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the rallies happen in the wintertime, too. There's so many other weekends that it can happen on. And there's some that don't, that there's some that are in climates that don't really get affected too much by winter. So, yeah. I don't know. I just, it just, this doesn't rub, even take it rubs into, me the wrong way. This doesn't even take into account the NASA events. So, right. I'm just thinking of, the, yeah, true. So, if there's, there's too much competition for days. I mean, I guess it's good if you want to be competitive because you can pick and choose your events. There's plenty of events to go to. But if you're a real competitor, or not a real, I shouldn't say real competitor, but if you're a competitor chasing after points, you want to do all your events in the same series. Yeah. I mean, but you're going to have to spend a lot of money anyways to do the ARA season because there's travel east to west, you know, west oh, to on, east coast. on both of them. I'm not even questioning that. But I just think that it's just, I don't know. What do I know? That's a whole other topic for a whole other day, I guess, but... I just don't like the fact that there's a lot of competing weekends. Yeah. All right. Flav247 says, are you guys... I believe that will be Flav247. Oh. Guys, Flav all the time. Oh. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I thought he was just named Flav. And Flav247 says... He was the 247th person. Oh. <laughs> I, I, maybe I'm reading into it too far. No, I think you're right, and I'm I'm not. I think his username is way cooler than you give him credit for. Yeah. Uh, are you guys into? Are you guys fans of '60s, '70s era muscle cars? And Brad, uh, yes, yes. Uh, I own one. Yeah, um, I believe I probably haven't really talked about it. No, since like the first episode where I went over my own personal car collection. Mm-hmm. But um, Flave twenty four seven, I do have a nineteen sixty eight the nineteen sixty eight. Camaro SS350 convertible four-speed. Yep. Uh, dark green over black. I've owned it my entire life almost. Mm-hmm. Um, 350, so the base SS with the Muncie four-speed. Um, no options except for disc brakes. Um, I love 60s and 70s era muscle cars. Mm-hmm. I wish I could afford them like I can afford Dodge Colts because mm-hmm. I'd probably have a bunch of them. I'd probably still have Dodge Colts, but i probably also have a bunch of muscle cars. Hmm. It's just I hard can't, to afford too any of them. I can't afford any muscle cars. So, but you've always been into them. Mm-hmm. You just don't currently own any. Nope. And I just got lucky because the car was purchased in the early '80s or mid '80s by my father when they weren't worth a ton of money um, to put away for me to have a cool old car when I got older. So it wasn't, I totally pat myself on the back or pat my father on the back and, you know, the car was bought with daddy's money. Yeah, it was. But it was bought when the cars were $4,000 cars. So it wasn't a huge deal. I'd be more into a early seven, like a early 70s second gen F body. Yep. Or a late 70s. If I were to go out and choose the muscle car that I wanted to buy, it probably wouldn't have been a first gen Camaro, but I would never look that gift horse in the mouth mm-hmm. my father bought it when i was eight years old so i've had it for 28 years which is pretty crazy considering i'm 36 mm-hmm. um it's an all original unrestored car it's just a great car and i use it sparingly in the summertime to go to car shows and whatnot this year has been a tough year for me um for a lot of reasons we won't get into but i did not get the car out because i had a couple of minor things i had to fix and never got to uh, but I'll be sure to make. I'll be sure to take care of that next year, and get plenty of pictures and plenty of project car updates on that car. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we are huge fans of sixties and seventies era muscle cars. All right, 
<coughs> Radwood official. So the official Instagram account of Radwood. Uh, 180s or 90s car you can't help but hate. Can't help but hate. Yeah. Because there are some that I can't help but love. But can't help but hate. Well, I mean, if you want to go super basic, it's the Nissan Altima or the Pontiac Grand Prix from the 90s. Okay. Both terrible cars driven by terrible people in terrible situations. I'm trying to think of ones I just truly, truly hate. Although at Radwood, there was that Bonneville SSEI, the blue one, dark blue one, the supercharged. And it has, like, a full keyboard steering wheel. Mm-hmm. But the car has, like, 18 buttons in the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. The entire horn would be the airbag section now mm-hmm. is all buttons. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool. Again, a car I missed. But that's Bonneville, um, not a Grand Prix. Grand Prix's are awful. Yeah, those are pretty bad. Uh, second gen Tauruses and Sables. You only the hate that round car ones? so much because your mom had one and you got rid of a Volvo wagon for yeah. it, which made you really angry. 97. Those are, ugh, they're real, real ugly. Mm-hmm. Like super ugly. When they first came out, when they tried to just go with that like ovular theme. Everything was an oval, including the radio. Egg, yeah. yeah. And they were pretty terrible. Everything from, like, the rear window on the wagon to the radio. That, the that's oval the car shape. I hate. I hate that car. Yeah, I don't I don't love them, but I don't hate them because I was never... Oh, a Fiero. I hate a Fiero. I hate them. Actually, your answer should be El Camino more than anything else. Uh, it's it's a tough call between a Fiero and an El Camino. Those are two cars that I really, really hate. I would drive both. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I would definitely drive both. Not uh, a question. Well, my only consolation that'd be both be broken. You wouldn't really drive them that much anyway. That's just because they're mine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go with more the Pontiac because I think that the Ultima is more a 2000s era car. Okay. The 90s Ultima wasn't as bad. The wide track Grand Prix? Yes, the wide track Grand Prix, exactly, which was the same car as Illumina with a higher offset wheel. <laughs> if that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I hate I hate that era Grand Prix. I just, I, okay. there's nothing good about that car. All right. Even the supercharged ones, I don't care what anybody says about them being fast. They're just torque steering pieces of shit. All right. JP Rally. Thanks for the guidance on what car I should buy for a Lemons Rally. Unfortunately, I did not listen to anything you said, but still ended up with a truly awful vehicle. So wait a second. Our advice was going to lead him to an awful vehicle no matter what? I guess. All right. That's cool. I kind of agree with him, actually. Several factors played into our decision to purchase a Saab 9000 Aero. Not a terrible vehicle. Turbo, five-speed, including access to a parts car for important Lemons rally parts, rally, rally parts like used brake pads. Pros, comfy Recaro seats. Cons, access to parts if anything breaks down along the way. Let me know what you think. Does a Saab get a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Well, JP Rally, much like Flav 24-7's question. Do you want another parts car? <laughs> uh, I totally approve your Saab 9000 Arrow because I also own a Saab 9000 Turbo, yeah. a CSE Turbo. So we um, won't call you an asshole. <laughs> no, I love the car. It's a great car. It's fast. It handles well. I can't speak for the five-speed ones because, unfortunately, mine's an automatic. But I have never owned a more comfortable highway car. We were watching... Uh, Christmas vacation the other night. Yes, and uh, the neighbors, the upy neighbors, own one. They have nine hundred though, don't they? No, it's a nine thousand. I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, so that was Julia Louis Dreyfus. Yeah, I mean that would have been a good uh, a Radwood theme. You show up in one of those dressed as those neighbors. We could have taken mine. It would have yeah. driven across country, no problem. Yeah. We should put axles in it. Clicking axle right now. <laughs> 
Uh, but no, I I, I own a, ni- a, a 97 Saab 9000 CSE Turbo, unfortunately automatic, but it's loaded otherwise with the Elmo leather and the heated seats and the sunroof, and it's just an amazing car, and it's been stupid reliable, and I had nothing bad to say about it, so I don't think you made a bad purchase. I think you made a great purchase. I think the Saab 9000 is one of the most undervalued cars in the Euro, 80s Euro car market, 90s Euro car market. So, what do you think, Andrew? Do you like the cars at all, or do you just not care? Uh, I like the way those look. I I like um, the other Saabs better. The 900s? Yeah. Those were more like, uh, 9000 was what, like a futuristic type Saab? It was going to be like the new Saab? Well, it was based on the, <clears throat> the Lancia platform. The so, like a... Theta or Thema? Uh, like a 900 reminds me of like a 240 Volvo. And then a 9000 reminds me of like a 740-760 Volvo. No, that makes sense. So the Saab 900 was its own car. It was owned by Saab, designed by Saab. Yeah. It was all Saab all the way through and through. The Saab 9000 is a shared platform with the Alpha... Um, I was a little disappointed when uh, I, Alpha Milano. When I went to start yours the other day, year. and the key was in the column. Yes, it's not in the center console. Like, Come on, which is part of the platform sharing issue with the car. That's why it's not in the center console. It's like I thought this was a Saab. I thought it was going to be a really weird place. Nope, no, it's right where it belongs. But the cool thing about that car is that car sat for like three months, and despite the battery being dead, once we put a jumper on the battery, the car just starts right up. That's usually what happens. That car runs so good all the time. Maybe I'm just used to having carbureted cars, yeah. but that car just—it's such a good car. I, I, I'm at a crossroads where I don't need the car, and it's just sitting, and it's going to require money to put back together and put on the road because it doesn't need an axle and a couple minor things. But it's such a good car; I don't want to get rid of it. So I guess that's a thumbs up from Brad. Yeah, and it's a great uh, car. I'm, I'm sure, sure. If, if if the rally happens to come anywhere through northern Massachusetts and you need parts, let me know. I got it sitting in my driveway. <laughs> yep. Sounds good to me. All right. Throttle by cable. Uh, he's saying this to a couple of podcasts, see what the difference of opinions are. So in my book, there are two or more influential cars in modern history. There are no two oh, more. There are no two more influential cars in modern history than the Range Rover, eventually named the Classic. And BW Golf. Agree, disagree, why? So the Range Rover Classic, which one am I thinking of here? Um, Dennis's car from It's Always Sunny. Okay. That's a Range Rover Classic. Influential cars. Hmm. And the Volkswagen Golf. So I wonder what I, generation. I 100% disagree. I think he's just saying the first Golf. The Golf was influential, I will say that, yes, because it brought the hatchback to America. Mm-hmm. It brought the hot hatch market to fruition all on its own. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's pretty influential. Everybody was playing catch-up with a small front-wheel drive yeah. uh, economy car. So, yeah, it's an influential car. Okay. Um, but I don't think it's the most influential. Um, what, the Golf? The, yeah. I mean, same thing with the Range Rover. I, so... Okay, so let, 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 let me let me go back to the golf afterwards. So I'm trying to think of something on that. I, I, so the Range Rover would be are we saying it that is the classic is the first modern SUV. I disagree though. Where That's the thing. it's a like not just a truck truck with a closed uh, fully closed cab. But what about a like a Wagoneer? Yeah, a Jeep Wagoneer would have been first. Yeah. Um, and then, like, the XJ Cherokee 
in the 80s, which went right through the late 90s, early 2000s, yeah. I think is a more it would be more influential to the that market than the Range Rover did was. Yeah. I mean, unless he's thinking that the Range Rover is more influential than that it was first before the XJ. When did the Range Rover Classic come out, though? Oh, 68, 69. Really? Yeah. That's really early. So when did, like, an FJ40 come out? 70? Uh, 65? I guess those weren't really... Uh, available outside of Japan for a while? Well, they were available pretty much everywhere. Hmm. 1970 was the first Range Rover. 1970, 1996. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's a solid run. Yeah, it is. And it's and they're cool vehicles and they're good-looking cars. I just... I'm having a hard time saying that they're more influential than anybody else in that market because I can't think of anything they brought to that market more so than it. Like, they, have, they had the luxury, but... They weren't really popular in the United States, which is where my knowledge base sits. I would not see a Range Rover for days, and I'd see a thousand XJs. And in the early '80s, it'd be a thousand Grand Wagoneers or Cherokee Chiefs. I mean, according to Wikipedia, so proto SUVs such as the International Harvester (1961), Ford Bronco (1966). Began the skew of 4x4s towards speed and comfort while retaining more adequate off-road ability for most private users. Jeep Wagoneer proved the concept further in direction, uh, further in the direction Rover had several times attempted, but with more power. See, I think that's where we were going with that. I think the Wagoneer is truly the first SUV that was successful. Except the jeep well what's, what's a no. rank? what's a jeep a cj or no a wag a jeep wagoneer no an suv i a, a jeep cj is not an suv no it's not an fj40 is not an suv like they're, 1960 no, no they're more they're more like a jeep based they're you know they're general purpose they're literally a jeep in the sense of a general purpose like a rough and tumble off-road vehicle with a fully closed cab where a Wagoneer... But you could buy an FJ with a fully closed cab. No, you're missing my point. Apparently. A Jeep Wagoneer is the first thing that did it with a little more comfort and luxury. It was more like a lifted station wagon with a 4x4 platform underneath it. Okay, and that beat... That is what an SUV... But that beat the Range Rover Classic to the market. Yes, it did. So I think that is actually a more influential vehicle. So I do not agree with the Range Rover thing. Yeah. And then as far as for little hatchbacks, I'd say, yeah, the Golf is influential. But was the Golf the first one? It was the first mainstream successful one. That's for sure. Uh, what about the Hondas? Early, early Honda front-wheel drives. Yeah, but they Civic. weren't. Yeah, but they weren't. They weren't as easily adopted by enthusiasts or they didn't create the hot hatch market. They kind of went along with okay. it. Okay. Okay. Um, but now you're saying the two most influential cars of all time. Um, I'd put the original, and I hate to say it, but the original Chrysler minivan. It started literally the car that's in almost every driveway in America is a minivan now. And no, or was for a while. Was for a while. It's an SUV. It's a crossover. It, it was for a while, and that was started in 1984 by the Chrysler minivan. Okay. So I think that that 
by definition of being influential, is more influential than the golf was for its genre. It was very influential in its own genre. But the minivan launched this huge, successful genre that was way more mainstream than the golf was. Uh, it's a very loaded question. I, I mean, I really don't. I, I really don't have a solid answer because there's different there's different things in each category of car, and it's hard to quantify one against I, the other. I think the golf launched the front wheel drive car as a val- as a valid car. Like people started changing, like cars started changing over to front wheel drive. Yeah, but before that car came out, there were Sobs. Yeah. They were successful. No, they weren't. Successful enough. Mainstream? Sobs have never been mainstream. Sobs are a weird, quirky car for weird, quirky people. Hey, that's why I own one. <laughs> it's the <laughs> truth. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I... Volkswagen literally is people's car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he's saying modern motoring, which is why, you know, obviously the most influential car of all time would be the Beetle, probably, but... It's not even that modern of a car. But that's what I'm saying. It's not modern. That's why no. we're not even discussing it. No. The Golf was the first of the water... Well, was it the first of the water-cooled? No. It replaced the Beetle, though. It replaced the Beetle, but the Volkswagen K70 would have been the first okay. water-cooled okay. Volkswagen. But it was the first viable replacement mass which, sales success for fun them. In fact, the K70 was actually designed and engineered by NSU. Okay. And Volkswagen got but the, it. But the Golf was the first, like, that was, like, the first commercial for se- success for Volkswagen after the Beetle. I would say yes. Yeah. 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 And that, that, that has probably led Volkswagen down the road that they're down now with all those front-wheel drive cars that they have. Oh, 100%. Has. So. It's, it's very influential to their company. Yeah. Sure, I'll, I'll go with that all day long. But what else did it influence? I think it influenced... People buying front-wheel drive cars. People were already buying front-wheel drive cars is what I'm saying. Like, maybe the Saab wasn't the most successful car. People were buying them. The old okay. Toronado okay. But was front-wheel drive since 67. People realized how good Cadillac the Golf Eldorado. was. That's when uh, I'm sure the Japanese tried to copy but the Golf. No, because that, the Civic came out pre-Golf, like the Z600 and it stuff. doesn't mean they didn't try to play catch-up with it to match the power and speed of it. Mm. You're presenting it a tr- good option, and I'm running out of ideas to argue against okay. it. Um, but I just I, I don't understand the question. I don't think enough to... Mini Cooper. The original Mini Cooper was a front-wheel drive, abhorrently successful, abhorrently successful car. They only, sold millions of them. Only in Europe. They sold them here, too, though. They're incredibly rare here. Well, yeah, because people here didn't want a tiny little car with a 1,200cc engine. But they bought Volkswagen Golfs. They didn't have 1,200cc engines. <laughs> didn't they? Yeah, 1.6. Yeah. yeah. Maybe 1.5s. No, Volkswagens had a better name because they'd been around longer. Well, they weren't British. Exactly. But what I'm saying is I think the Mini Cooper made front-wheel drive viable before Volkswagen did it. It did. That was, what, 1959? It did, but Volkswagen made it mainstream. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm having a hard time with this discussion. Thank you for a very interesting question, but I don't think I can come up with an answer that I'm happy with. All right. I really don't. I, right. I, I, I don't. We can move on. All right. So Yeti Overland, uh, what car is the worst dashboard? And his voters are the third gen Taurus. Which is the bubble car that you already talked about. Is that a third gen? Yeah. It would be because the first gen was the car we saw. 
Oh, at Radwood, the second gen would be the. That's not. A, they don't consider that a facelift. No, I think it's a whole. I think it's a second gen car. Oh. And the third gen would be the bubble car, the football. I think they're second gens. Yeah, but yeah, those are terrible, 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 terrible cars. Yeah, awful cars. Not a single straight edge used a ruler to design that car. No. <laughs> and uh, and then the rocker panels would appear would rot off of them, but you wouldn't know it until it's too late because yeah. a plastic cover over them that was hiding. Uh, it. My mom's car was a '97, and we got rid of it in '05, mm-hmm. and the brake lines were rotted off of it. Yep, pretty terrible car. Yeah, and the car was washed and cleaned and taken care of too. Yeah, like it wasn't like a not cared for car. Yeah, uh, but as far as worst dashboards, that's that's definitely up there. Um, I, at the top of my head, I can't think of anything else that's worse. There's been some weird Citroen ones over the years that are pretty terrible. No, but they're no, no, quirky, no. but they're quirky enough in their they're, own way they're, that they're cool. They're quirky in French, so I excuse them. Yeah, because they they go more for styling. Yeah, we, we don't need uh, people to stop answering their own questions when they ask them because they're giving us all the answers. Well, and it makes it hard. He's to not think wrong. Of I, else. I was gonna go that way anyways. That's yeah, but you feel bad just going along with his answer now. Oh, you know what was pretty terrible too was the Honda Civic Si that came out after your body style. With the shifter that came out of the middle of the dashboard, uh, I like that. Ah, oh, that kind of pretty terrible looking. Inside. No, like a uh, a two thousands GM product. Oh, I get the answer. Pontiac Grand Prix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Crappy plastic, falls apart, peels. The steering wheels go soft over time. Is it J body? No, it'd be W body. No, but a J body, like a J Cavalier, Cavalier yeah. or a Sunbird. <laughs> Those are pretty terrible, but I think the Grand Prix is worse. All right. So, yeah, mid nineties General Motors are pretty terrible yeah. in general. But all right, Yeti Overland has another question. He says, "Which one of your cars would be best an official Lego model? Best to be an official Lego." Yeah. Model. So, what would your cars would be the best official Lego model? I think the uh, Montero would be the easiest. The first one, Montero, would be the easiest. Yeah, just bricks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the but the Galant VR four is pretty square, so that'd be kind of cool. Yep. Um, I think your Camaro would make an awesome one. Well, you think of a viable success for a Lego to produce and sell. They'll sell 2,000 Galat VR4s, yeah. and they'd probably sell 100,068 Camaros. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as far as viability for Lego goes, I would say my Camaro would be best. The one I would want to be made would be my Starion, which would also work pretty well because it's very angular. That would work. That would yeah. be pretty cool. Uh, or the NSU. It's a little yeah. square box. Yeah, sure. But the Starion would be the way I would want to go. All right. Uh, no, but to expand on his question, yeah, what's one car you'd like to see done as a Lego? Because they've already done a newer 911 GT3. Yep. They've done a Volkswagen Beetle. Mm-hmm. They've done a Volkswagen Bus. Mm-hmm. They did a Mini Cooper. They did an F40. And I think they have a Ford GT out now. They got a bunch of smaller ones too, which don't count. We're talking about the big full size model. They have the Lotus that you have, the Lotus Super Seven. Yep. They did that Arcader Ham, whatever it is. Uh, That's the one car you'd like to see them do. I'd like to see, like, uh, I don't know, FJ40. Okay. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool, absolutely. It's it's like, kind of, that's, it would be iconic enough to. And it would be, it would like work with yeah. the shape of the bricks and stuff. It wouldn't be. Okay. Well, I I was thinking honestly on the same route, but I was thinking British because they've already done the British stuff, and I was thinking of an original um, Land Rover. All right. Yeah. So, 
Same. Would also be very easy to do. I want to read the next one. Uh, where are we? After this, on the second page of notes. Who asked the question? Ditch Rickson. Oh, I ditch I underscore Rickson. Ditch underscore, ditch underscore Rickson. What was the car you guys saw this weekend that you, A, forgot about and decided it was cool after seeing it again at Radwood, and B, what American car did you see that you thought, even for a minute, that you'd like to take home? So let's start with A, forgot about and decided it was cool after seeing it again. Um, for you, it was probably the charade. Oh, 100%. I was going to go with that stupid Mini Ram van because they came with five-speed turbo options, okay. which makes them kind of cool, the 2.2. But now that you said charade, I definitely love a little Daihatsu charade. Okay. They have, they have like, fender skirts in the factory. Yep. This <laughs> is so dumb, but they're so cool. They're basically shittier Geo Metros. <laughs> oh, man. What car did I forget about? Um... That's tough. Um, probably the uh, first ten Integras. Mm-hmm. There was a teal one. Yeah, we don't think cool. much about those. No, because they're Did you teal? A first gen was there, or a second gen? Pop up headlights or exposed? Exposed. So second gen. Okay, that's a DA Integra. Okay, all right. That's I didn't see a teal cool. one. I saw a white one. The white one was cool. That was like on the ground, low. Yeah, teal one's cool. Oh, there, there was a red one with pop-up headlights. An Integra? Was it an Integra? I didn't see one, so I must have been. Uh, I wasn't. I had like it's, one. I, like we said beer. about, and like well, like we said about in the wrap-up episode from uh, the Radwood discussion episode we just had. It's it's hard to remember because there was so much mental stimulation going on, yeah. so much cool stuff happening. Um. What American car did I see that I thought even for a minute I'd like to take home? I mean, all the Fox Body Mustangs were nice. I liked the white on white convertible. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wanted that Burgundy GTA. I like the um, the but white the white C four. If I had to put my money where my mouth was, I'd have driven home in the Rad Blazer. Okay, because we're both suckers for a stupid Blazer. I would have taken the C, the white C4. And there are a few people that are going to make fun of us for talking about Blazers two episodes in a row now. <laughs> and I can already hear it, but that's fine. Whatever. We um, like what we like because we like what we like. Nothing you can do about it. No, definitely in that Corvette. <clears throat> but yeah, I, I probably would have chosen. If you put all the keys in front of me and to take one American car home, I probably would have taken the Burgundy GTA. All right, well, that sort of goes into Osaka Flocka's question, because he wants to know, name one car from Radwood you would t- have taken home with you and one you'd push into the bottom of the lake. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, any car there I could take one home, I'd probably take home a Testarossa. Yeah. Because, I mean, why not? It's a Testarossa. There was also an R34 GTR there, which is pretty cool. Uh, I'd push that in the bottom of the lake. See, I wouldn't push it in the bottom of a lake. No, because there's there's plenty of them. Okay. No, you're wrong. I would push a Mitsubishi product in the bottom of a lake. I would push that Fast and the Furious oh. green car <laughs> into the bottom of a lake. Okay. Because there's a full movie tribute car there, which we haven't brought up at all. And that car would be lake-bound. Okay. Second. All right. I would... I would buy that car specifically to drive it into a lake without insurance on it and not collect a dime out of it. Sure. Because that really ticks me off. (laughs) Um, 
But any one car there, yeah, probably the Testarossa because it's Testarossa. If not the Testarossa, then the 308, just because I've always loved 308s. Okay. Um, and I think the 308 more fits me as a car enthusiast because it's more terrible. Sure. Yeah. I think the Testarossa is too capable for me. I want something terrible. I love something terrible. Oh, actually, you know what I do is the, as the million mile Lexus rolled over a million miles, I'd roll it into a lake. That's good. That's a good sound too. Actually, that would be an amazing video for him to make. <laughs> just like set it up on like a broken down bridge, just Viking with, with, with a thing. video on the odometer as it clicks to a million and then yeah. just falls off the cliff. That would kind of be funny. Yeah. That car has certainly lived a good life and it's gotten its use out of it. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that thing. We got to ride in the million mile Lexus. Yeah, no, we didn't talk about it at all. What was it? Bradley said it felt like he's like the million mile Lexus. It feels like a two hundred thousand mile Crown Vic. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I definitely got that vibe from it. It's, I totally agree with it. It's it's tired. It's worn out. It's amazing that it still runs as good as it does. I know work's been done to it. It's not like just keep going, going, going. It had but, a good pickup. I mean, it ran fine for the original motor car, but it's, it wallowed a little bit in the bumps. It leaned a little bit in the turns. I don't know. It's an old luxury car. Maybe the they rode like that. Tweeter that somebody put in the door with double sided tape kept falling into my lap. I, uh, <laughs> I mean, personally, I would be. I'm more into Q45s of that generation. Yep. But the point of this car is that it has nearly a million miles. But having seen some modified LS 400s, there are some cool ones out there, like with an AMG style wheel, not actually an AMG wheel, obviously, but like a big flat face wheel, and quad exhaust across the back there's some cool ones out there i've seen ones with 1552 the tarmac there was there. one at the show actually it was a white Jesus. one on tarmac yeah there was one yeah oh man but it didn't look it didn't look as good because it wasn't lowered at all yeah so it had this huge fender gap which whatever then he wants to know what uh what era appropriate car would you have driven out to california for the event if flying wasn't an option now we already know the answer to that because we almost did it yeah yeah i would have driven my glant out there yeah um, it was it was it was considered yes. Um, got one more timing wise, it didn't work out. I don't think there's one more. Is there? Yep, there's one more from uh, so Dave Rendon, who's uh, this is Dave LC two. Yep. Uh, what was the highlight of Radwood two for you? Oh, meeting Dave LC two, obviously. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, well, no, that was no, cool, Dave. I'm no, sorry, it was not the highlight of the show. No, uh, no, you know what. No, meeting, I, meeting everybody in yes, general was, Actually, though. that was the highlight. 100%. Yep. Meeting all the people. The, 100%. The cars were a bonus, meeting the people. Yeah. We went for the cars, but actually I... Stayed for the people. I kind of went for the people. I, no, I totally went for the people. Yeah. If it wasn't for the fact that we had developed any sort of relationship with any of the organizers, yeah. I probably wouldn't have gone out there and done it. No. Um, that being said... Don't let that hold you back to go. Go next time they have one because it's friggin' amazing. Yeah. It was a really good time. So. Can't emphasize that enough that you just need to go and it's just a good time. That, uh, that does it for our question episode. It does. Over uh, and done with, sir. 
If you like our podcast, please go on Facebook, like our page. Man, I'm looking at this picture on the Auto Off Topic Instagram page that yeah. you put up to ask questions of that Aqua Blue MR2. Yeah. And that should be my answer to everything. Okay. Forget the Tesla Aqua Rosa. Blue MR2. Forget the Tesla Aqua Rosa. Aqua Blue MR2. The Aqua Blue MR2 is just so cool looking. It's so period correct. All right. So now that I've been interrupted. I'm sorry. Can... I just I saw the picture and I was like, oh, that's you the can, uh I want everything, though. Set us up to see updates on our Facebook page. You can set updates for our Instagram page, which we are on off topic on Instagram. I am racing anger on Instagram. Uh, this makes it easier for you to ask us questions. Um, if you leave us a review on iTunes, Google play or stitcher, just drop me a line or Brad a line, uh, and we will get you some stickers and Brad, where can they find you? They can follow me at, oh, nope, that's not mine. That's yours. They can follow me at TSISS350 on Instagram. Uh, vintage imports and E on Instagram or right with you here on the auto off topic, Facebook page. That's right. And as always keep your cars analog. Good night. <laughs>